The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Like many of us, Dr. Peter Kapsner wears dozens of hats. As a business owner, professor, radio host, and church leader, there's one thread that is constant in his life. Kindness. Peter talks with me about his thoughts on kindness as a form of practical theology in this episode of the Kindness Podcast. Peter, you're a professor, a radio host, the owner of a power sports business, plus a husband and a dad of five kids, which to me sounds like a whole lot of separate areas in which to give and receive kindness. Which is your favorite? Well, Nicole, and thanks for just having me on with your podcast here. I've got to say, it's uh, it's at home with my kids. I don't know that that was always true. You know, you get so busy kind of being self-centered, building a career and doing your own thing for maybe too many years of life. But um Boy, those kids show up, and, and Hallie, my wife, and I, we'd go to 10 kids if we weren't 47 years old at this point. <laughs> we we love our kids, and uh, there's just, you know, I, I think the delight in their eyes uh, when there's just even simple acts of kindness and attention during the day, there's just really nothing like it. It's, it's my favorite spot for it. Tell me about your kids. How old are they? Yeah, so I've got uh, my oldest uh, son, Caleb, is 18, and he is in his first year at university, uh, and he's where I teach, so it's kind of fun. We can have grab some coffee together from time to time, and great to see him there. I've got a daughter, Anna, at 16. I've got a son, Samuel, at 12, a daughter, Abby, at 10, and then the last one bringing up the caboose is our son, Simon, at 8. So we've got a pretty good range, you know, anything from people driving to people still, you know, watching Backyardigans and those kind of programs. That's pretty fun. <laughs> it is cute. I know. I, I feel a lot of joy in my household between having an 18-year-old up to a 14-year-old. It's kind of, it is fun, isn't it? Well, it is, you know, but it, it sounds all good to say, you know, the kindness is easy with kids and stuff. But anybody that has kids knows that, uh, you know, people say that the that the days are long, the years are short, and, and, I, and I totally get that piece of it. Sometimes the days do feel really long. It's challenging. You know, it's not easy being a parent these days, Nicole. I, I don't know if it's harder than it was a generation ago, but it sure feels like it. And, and it just does really speak to your message of kindness being, in my mind, just more and more important as the years go along here. Man, I fall into bed more nights than I can count after having a parenting fail and just say, like, (laughs) man, I hope I do better tomorrow. And then you wake up the next day and you say, "Okay, let's try this kindness thing again. How do you and your wife teach kindness uh, in your home? Well, I think we try to catch things early in the interactions with siblings. I mean, right, that's some of their primary Mm. relationships, especially early in their lives. And so... To teach kindness at that point, I mean, I find, I don't know, Nicole, if you can be kind to the people closest to you and truly kind, not just sort of pretending to be kind, but you do really care about them and and you think about their best interest at heart, it does seem to translate into the world at large even a little bit easier. But I don't know, there's something really interesting about the relations closest to us that uh, it can be hard to be kind when you're kind of in the grind of life together. And so we try to when our kids are interacting and, and try to get ahead of the curve with them as, as much as we can in the middle of their interchanges. I'll find, I'll snap on one of my children or my husband mm. before I will ever snap on the lady at the grocery store. Are you the same way? 
Oh, for sure. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's like my guard comes down somehow and, and maybe I'm, you know, not feeling great in the day or a little busy and hassled. And for some reason, those people closest to us, it just, I don't know if you just take them for granted or what it is, but it's, it's this weird counterintuitive thing where you, you want to love and be kind to the people closest to you, you'd think. And yet, like you said, it's the grocery store attendant or whoever else that tends to get more kindness. And maybe that's more of a social grace than anything else. Yeah, that's probably true. So you talk about how you monitor their their relationships between their siblings and the ways that they speak to each other. Um, how else do you and your wife teach kindness in your home? Or does it end up being something that's more caught by them by watching you? Yeah, I mean, that's really it, isn't it? I think anybody who has been a parent or, you know, has had parents, which would be all of us, uh, <laughs> the, the, the modeling uh, of what takes place is always so more, uh, it's important, more important than the language and the words. And, and when Hallie and I maybe were sort of at each other or biting at each other, to just even step back with the kids and say, hey, this is not appropriate. We don't try to justify it. We don't try to explain it away, but to really own the fact that we were not really kind with one another. And it's, and it's stuff like that, the transparency and the vulnerability that really does model that. And, and then hopefully those moments we are kind, kind to each other, and, the, and there's many, that it really does translate well to the kids. Mm-hmm. So how in the world did a PhD in theology get into the power sports business? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't really have any idea myself. It's, it's 14, years, 14 years into it, and I still wake up going, what in the world happened here? But uh, it's a long story. Long story short, I was um, back, actually, we were studying in Scotland for my PhD, and I was back on medical leave for about nine months. And uh, in that time, just didn't want to, well, I did want to sit around on the sofa, but I figured I probably shouldn't. And uh, and I got in, involved in a business opportunity where a company was looking to liquidate a bunch of their product. And it was right at the beginning of all of the e-commerce channels, the Amazons and the Ebays and the dot-coms and all of that. And my sister-in-law and I got involved in it. She's a computer science major and uh, knew the internet well. And we started selling these overstocked products on the internet, these early channels. And boy, Nicole, it just took off from there to a point now where we have 15 employees and engineers and we're making our own products. And it's uh, really a delightful experience. Yeah, Moto Alliance. I was checking it out online and I was like, what, what is a power sports business anyway? I didn't even know. But it's like all that fun stuff that people want to play with, right? It is. It's super fun to be on the phone with people because this really, for a lot of them, it's a hobby. Other people, it really is a necessary part of their life if they're in ranching or farming or something like that. But really good salt of the earth people that just get to talk to day in and day out. I've never really ridden the things. I don't really even know the first thing about how to do so. But uh, it really is a network of people. Honestly, it, it, even opposed to academia, where I do a lot of my work and teaching and stuff, there's a kindness that happens in just sort of the regular life of the power sports field that I I don't find in many other places. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just a shared hobby and a shared delight together. But people really do look out for each other. How do you mean? How, how do you see it? Well, you know, they they really are, if they find maybe a deal on some, you know, piece of equipment, they're quick to tell all their friends about it, and they all celebrate it together. They'll look forward to the weekends where they can just hang out and laugh and, mm. and uh, maybe do the bonfire thing, maybe go riding in the woods. And there just is that uh, that shared experience that they're excited to be together. And because of that, they really do kind of enjoy one another's company and, and, and are really just lovely to each other in those moments. And that has to be fun as being part of the business to see them be able to purchase something and join this group, this community and make these memories with their family. It's it's pretty special, isn't it? You know, it really is. There, there's really two sides to being in, in sort of this 
e-commerce kind of a business. You see all of what you just described. And and the flip side of it that you see is when customers call in. And, you know, not everybody, believe it or not, Nicole, has been satisfied with our products over 14 <laughs> years. So in, in the shocking development when they call in and, and they're maybe not happy about how something has gone, I'll tell you what, in those moments, I so often just want to read them the riot act and, and maybe blame it on them. But if I can just turn that around and, again, not because I'm trying to do the right thing from a business standpoint, but just doing the right thing of turning around and being kind to them and maybe greeting their anger and frustration with understanding, with some patience. And it's amazing how it turns around. I can't tell you the number of times where maybe somebody wrote a negative review through some sort of online channel that after interacting with our business, and, and we talk to our customer service people about this all the time, that simply treat people well. Treat them as if they're human beings first and customers second, and don't have a script. Actually listen to what they have to say and, and treat them what you think would be the best thing for them. And we go back online and those reviews have changed or they've been amazing or edited and they say, you know, I started with something where I was really upset, but they really treated me well. And because of that, I'm really grateful. Mm, that's a really great lesson for us in uh, life when, you know, somebody bumps up in, into whatever we've got going on and they're mad about something. And just to take a moment and, and really listen to what they're upset about with us is pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And there's there's such a difference between scripted kindness and mm -hmm. social grace kindness where we, you know, maybe if they could really hear what we are thinking or feeling, you know, sort of like through gritted teeth kindness, right? There's a, yes. there's a real difference when people are maybe sort of tolerating us and, and acting kind versus, you know, they really see us or we really see them. And because of that, we're, we're kind to one another because we do, we sort of have this shared humanity. We're in this thing together. And yeah, there's a lot of trouble in the world, obviously, and, and you can't just wish that away. But a starting point is to sort of take a breath and, and see, wait a second, we really do share this journey together. We'll get back to our conversation with Peter in a moment. But first, today's Kindness Call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. Hi, my name is Jenny, and I'm from Janesville, Wisconsin. I am calling to tell about uh, some kindness that I witnessed this morning. Uh, I was getting into my van and noticed that I had low air pressure in my tires. So I drove to Quick Trip and was trying to figure out the air pump thing. And I had filled up three of the four tires. I was working on the fourth one. And a man pulled up behind me in his truck to be next in line to fill his tires. And he got out of his car. He walked up to me and he's like, here, let me give you a hand. You can sit in your car where it's warm. Let me, let me help you out. And I... It was just so kind, and uh, it just made me feel so good to see people out there wanting to just help for no reason, just wanting to be kind. So it made my day. All right. Have a great day. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. When you put on your professor hat, you teach everything from human sexuality to the significance of the New Testament. You specialize in practical theology, which to me, practical theology would mean kindness. What does it mean to you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I love to sort of rib my theology friends that are teaching like a 
historical or systematic or something like that. I'm like, yeah, your your theology is not practical. Nobody should go to your classes. <laughs> and, and so we we have some fun with that. But it it really is that it's about the ideas of you know what are our deep seated beliefs uh, about life. Maybe if you're a person of faith, uh, what what do you really believe is is true about life, and how does that then play out? In the daily moments of life, whether it's over a cup of coffee in the morning with your spouse, whether it is with your kids taking them to school, maybe it's uh, going to get your coffee and how you treat the barista who's making your triple shot espresso with whatever mm-hmm. you put in it, all of that, those sorts of things. It, it is that um, our, our deep-seated beliefs really do intersect with our daily life. They're not divorced from one another. And, and that's the kind of stuff we talk about. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I would ask what you talk about during human sexuality, but I'm not sure it's this that type of show. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know, that class is never dull. We'll say <laughs> that. it's a, I've taught it for about seven years at the 8 o'clock hour, and it's always full, and there's always students wanting to get in. I mean, it is one of those topics, <laughs> isn't it, that everybody has questions about? I didn't sign up to be the sex bird in life, Nicole, and I'm certainly sure I'm not at this point. Um, but, you know, you kind of teach what the department chair tells you to teach, and it's been quite a journey uh, to walk through that whole issue. And you show up at 8 a.m. to do it, too. So, great. <laughs> I do, yeah. And that's where the coffee does come in handy, indeed. So. The triple shot, yep. <laughs> indeed. So, how has your view on kindness changed since you were younger, let's say since your college days? Yeah, I, I really think it's something that I've already referenced a couple of times, but it is that difference between I am going to do the right thing or the polite thing or the thing that maybe etiquette requires and uh, and sort of whatever the mask is that I present for people out in public consumption that might be different than what's actually going on inside of me. And, and I would say, Nicole, um, there's not a lot of life in that. You play this game of pretend all day long, and I would hit the bed at, at maybe midnight, and I'd just be exhausted because I knew that there was such a disconnect between how I treated people and maybe actually how I felt about them or whatever else is going on in life. And I think what I sort of had to come to grips to in my 30s is, you know, Capstone, you're a bit of a zoo inside when it comes to how you see people or you don't see them, really. And, and so what is that about? And started asking some questions just about maybe some of the selfishness in my own life and, and began to just walk through some of that. And that wasn't easy, but in, in doing so, I began to see people differently. And I began to see maybe, you know, they're struggling like me. I, I hardly ever meet somebody that if you get them off the record in their life, they're like, you know what? I got this world by the tail. I'm just killing it. Everything is always good all the time. You know, most of us are, are sort of living these, you know, moderate desperation kind of lives. We're running from thing to thing to thing. And so I think that would be a long way of saying the most important thing I've learned over these last 15, 20 years is what it means to become an authentic person of kindness mm-hmm. versus a person of social grace. Because, boy, you get a whiff of authentic kindness and it just sets your heart to life in, in ways that hardly anything can. Mm, I have never just sat down and thought of the difference between the two. But boy, you are right. There is something it just shines when somebody is just authentically kind. I know when people do it for me, I I mean, it puts a spring in my step in the day. I mean, and then it's funny how then it translates to other people. If somebody's kind to me, then all of a sudden I'm kind to other people. It's a weird deal how it all works. It is. It's contagious, I often say. You do. (laughs) Um, So you you had a line, you said, Kapsner, you're kind of a zoo inside. What, What does that mean to be a zoo inside? Well, I think it just means that, uh, again, uh, we're so quick to be critical of people, to, to sort of categorize them or dismiss them or label them just maybe by how tall they are or, or what clothes they're wearing or what neck of the woods in which we find them, whether it's you know a wealthy part of town, whether it's a more impoverished part of town, whatever it is. 
we, you know, I was, I was not seeing people. I was just sort of quickly labeling people one way or the other. And, and just based on just stupid, critical kinds of things. And, mm-hmm. and I think when, when we stop seeing one another, when we just immediately based on a word or a behavior or a look or a place in town or anything like that, and, and immediately just label somebody, boy, that's, I think that's being a zoo inside at that point. You're not really seeing who the human beings are. I find sometimes that I have to, and it usually forces, it's a matter of me having to force myself to slow down, but I find sometimes that I need to stop and think about what I'm thinking about because I'll have this like kind of heaviness feeling about me mm. or, and I'll realize that I'm being really critical of other people. Do you get that? Totally. I, I And I think... To the extent that I'm feeling hassled in life, and again, for anybody listening that is a parent of children or maybe has a job that's keeping them at 60, 70 hours a week or stressed because you don't have the job or mm-hmm. you know financial difficulty, all of those things, those are heavy weights and, uh, and, and they're legitimately so. And, and so to try to figure out how to just pause in our day and take a breath and remember that what's ever happening in the present isn't going to define a life, however significant it is, that those sorts of things can maybe just at least theoretically, not always actually, but, but theoretically, they help me to just remember to, to just be kind and, and that it's a way better approach to life to be kind than it is to sort of just try to get my way or, or be defensive or justify things, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those those ways I am being defensive or justifying I, are internal conversations that I am having with myself. And so it's like, OK, think about what you're thinking about. Now stop thinking about that because these are real people and... <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Well, and I find it's really easy when I'm having the conversation with myself because I'm always right. And I always win. Life, I mean, it is amazing. I'm like a hundred percent of the time I've been right, and that boy, there, there's no company like my own in those moments. <laughs> <laughs> you love to travel, Peter. What sort of kindness have you found in your travels? Yeah, that's you know, I don't know what it is, and and I think it, it, it happens when people come from out of the town, out of country, to our neck of the woods here. I live outside in the Minneapolis area, and somehow I, I feel kinder to people when they're maybe from the UK or Europe <laughs> or something. I'm not sure what that is, but we absolutely experienced that overseas when my wife Hallie and I first moved to Scotland. People were so kind and. We thought we were moving, you know, to another English speaking country. So everything was the same as maybe Midwestern United States and there'd be no learning curve. But we found, Nicole, that everything was just slightly different. It was just from the side of the road to the words that people would use when they would order food, even the difference between chips and crisps over there. You know, it took a long time for us to figure that out. And in those moments where we were kind of daily disoriented, when people just took a second to help us to maybe laugh with us with our mistakes. I remember one time I was so proud of myself for uh, for ordering potato soup because that's how I thought they said it over there. And my buddy's like, dude, we say potato over here as well. And, you know, and it's sort of this moment where, you know, the emperor has no clothes. And yet at the same time, somebody was coming around and say, you know, I'll help you out here. And those kinds of things really made all the difference in the world. Ooh, that's pretty cute. That's pretty cute. Do you have um, uh, just from being at home and or within your life, whether it's academia or as a radio host or in your business or with your kids, a favorite kindness story, something you've done for someone and how it made you feel or something that someone's done for you, kind of how mm. kindness showed up at just the right moment? Yeah, that boy, that's a great question. I think... 
The first thing that comes to mind um, was not necessarily something that happened to me or um, or something that I did, but something that uh, our, our oldest son did when he was very little. I mean, I don't think he could have been more than maybe four years old. And we had given him this gift, I believe, if, if the story is right, and Hallie could tell it better than me, but it was along the lines of we had given him a gift of a popsicle, you know, something just simple like that. And as a parent, you're excited for your child then to enjoy the gift that you're given. And he turned around and uh, gave that popsicle to somebody else. And we just thought, dude, what are you doing? That's a popsicle. You can't just give that up. And and he said something to the effect of, you know what? It was never really mine anyway. I mean, it, 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 the world belongs to all of us. And he was like out of the mouth of babes, right? Where he just wow. felt like somebody else needed the popsicle more than him. I'll tell you what. With, with the, the dad who is, that's me, you know, sometimes grasping after what I can kind of get out of life, uh, whether it's, you know, financial things or career things or whatever. It really was a, a lesson from my son that at the end of the day, we're just stewards of all of this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we don't really own anything. And he was so quick to give it away when he saw somebody else and that maybe would have enjoyed the popsicle. Wow, that is. And then and then sometimes do you give yourself a high five and say, way to go, parent, until they do something, you know, naughty. And then you're like, nope, not my kid. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like being the coach of the football team, right? If you take all the credit, you're going to have to take it when you, <laughs> you when get you beat lose. up by it, too. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> no kidding. What's one thing before I, I let you go, I set you free. What's one thing that you want people to know? Yeah, I, well, you know, you, you say it, Nicole, and it's, it, it can sound like a cliche, but it's really not. And, um, that kindness is contagious thing. I, I think it really is a truism that is way beyond a cliche. And, and I already mentioned it once, but if we can just take a pause, and I don't know that we've ever lived in more frantic, anxious, depressive kinds of times. I mean, I've seen it in my students that the anxiety levels have just increased exponentially over the last 10 years, especially with social media and phone and all of this stuff, if we can just be that person who can maybe just think about what we think about, like you said, and and be kind even for a second, it really can shift things. It, it, it It's just amazing to me when somebody is kind, even if it only lasts for five minutes in my life, that I turn around and be kind to somebody else. Those five minutes then maybe extend out to 15 and 20 and 30. And those acts of kindness really do matter at the end of the day. So in a world that's so anxious and depressive and even sometimes self-centered, to just turn around and be kind to somebody, it really can shift the vibe of, of any situation. Mm-hmm. Spreads the light. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Peter, for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Nicole. I love what you're up to and love what you do. That was a conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section.